This podcast is part of the SJ Network. Go to s-j-network.com for more great podcasts and for contact information on publicist Steve Joyner. listening to In a City Like Yours, a semi-monthly podcast featuring interesting people with interesting life stories. This podcast may contain language and or subject matter not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. I'm your host, Michael G. Moore. Please visit our website at inacitylikeyours.com. That's I-N-A-C-I-T-Y-L-I-K-E-Y-O-U-R-S dot C-O-M. For links to our social media, all popular podcast platforms, and links of interest pertaining to all episodes. Here is this week's story. My name is Liz Priestley. I'm calling from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And this is my story. (laughs) Um, It begins back when I was seven years old, actually when I used to sneak downstairs at, you know, four or five in the morning and watch Gone with the Wind uh, before school. And I would uh, be there on the couch when my parents came down and they would find me there and they'd be like, what are you doing? But, you know, when I was that young was when I first thought to myself, who are the people making these movies? That's what I want to do. I loved movies ever since I was little, but around then was when I started to think about how they're made and who gets to make them. And that's when I started asking those questions and I found out that, oh, there's these things called actors that get paid to play pretend. (laughs) So I decided right then that I wanted to be an actor when I grew up. And my journey then went a bit haywire from there. Instead of just, you know, growing up and becoming an actress and, you know, kind of a linear line, I took a lot of detours <laughs> on my journey. I I also played violin from the time that I was four. I studied that for about 18 years. I also became a classically trained opera singer starting in high school. And I began to sing at competitions and different, you know, weddings and concerts and different events around, you know, Philadelphia and New York. And eventually people started going, hey, you know, you're really good at this. You have a future in this if you want it. And I had to make a choice around the time uh, for me to go to college. And I thought, well, I don't know. I still want to be an actor. So I decided to compromise and I went to school for musical theater. I went to Ithaca College, which at that time was in the top three schools in the country for musical theater. I think it still is, but um, I went through the program and it was life changing to say the least. But even through that whole four years, I knew I still wanted to be an actor. And I graduated from the program and I moved to New York City. Uh, I was 
living and performing as an actor, but in musical theater. And then I got to do a national tour with a musical, and that was amazing. We got to tour the Northwest and part, Southwest and part of the Midwest. And traveling, and getting to perform for children because it was a children's theater show was an amazing experience. And then after that, I moved back home to Philly and I had my daughter who's now 13 and um, I've been doing theater here in Philadelphia and New York and uh, Baltimore and Washington DC and a couple of other places in between. And I've been doing that for uh, since I was a kid really all together for about 25 years. And in August of 2018, I remember I had a weekend free, so I decided to take myself to the movies. And I was sitting in the dark theater, and it was one of those theaters where you get to have a cocktail as well. So I was sitting there, I was feeling great. I was watching the movie, The Mountain Between Us with Idris Elba and Kate Winslet. And I remember looking up at the screen and I said out loud, because there weren't people next to me so I could get away with it, I said, man, I hope I get to work with Idris Elba someday. One year and one week later, I made my film debut in Concrete Cowboy, which shot here in Philadelphia as the wife of Idris Elba. I'll backtrack a second and let you know how I got there. A few months before that, in uh, May of 2019, uh, I had received a call from my manager who I had only been working with for a year at that point. She said, I'm sending you a script. Do you have an audition for a feature film? I said, okay, no problem. And I get the script and I'm looking at it and it's the part is, you know, she's a mother, she's a drug addict. She's lived a hard life. And that's what it said in the script was she looks as though she has lived a hard life. And the scene that they gave me was of her being evicted from her apartment with her teenage son. And I was reading the script and in the back of my mind, I also knew that there was this movie filming in Philadelphia starring Idris Elba, but I didn't think anything of it. I went in, I decided to do something a little different for these auditions. I went a little method, which is not something I usually do as an actress, but I decided to go in real grungy looking. I had stayed up for a couple of days in advance and really looked real rough. And I went in, I did the audition, and a couple days later, I get an email that says I got a call back. And I, at that point, I started doing kind of a deeper dive into the script and I realized, well, this is a movie about black cowboys in Philadelphia. Now that sounds familiar, what is that about? And I went on the internet and I read Idris Elba's filming a movie in Philadelphia about black cowboys. So at that point I realized, hmm, this, is an, this must be the Idris Elba movie. Then I started to think, well, okay, he's obviously not playing the 15 year old son, so who's he playing in this movie? I'm like, he must be playing the father of this boy because the story is about a father and son. He must be playing the father. And I read the script again and I go, I think I'm the mother. And at that point I thought, well, 
that's nice and all, but there's no way, there's no way that they're going to cast an unknown actress with no film credits to her name and only theater credits to be the wife of Idris Elba. So I'm thinking maybe they're looking for a stand-in, maybe they're looking for an understudy or someone to run lines with, who knows, Kerry Washington or I don't know, somebody big and famous. So I go in, I do the second audition and I leave and I get a call later that's that afternoon and they said you have another call back the director would like to see you and he is pushing for you to get this part and at that point I freaked out a little bit and then decided okay well you know this is something I really want now so I better get it together and go big and do what I gotta do so I went in for my third uh, third audition and met the director at that time. I still had not met Idris Elba or anyone else um, in the cast, but I went in, I did my thing. And I should mention that during these audition auditions, I was crying profusely for these scenes. And at one point, um, I arrived for my audition and the director said, hang on, five minutes, you know, a producer's calling me, give me just a couple minutes to take the call and then we'll run the audition. I said, no problem. And I'm crying in the waiting room. 45 minutes later, he was still on the call and I'm still crying in the waiting room, except now I'm curled into a ball in the corner of the couch, just sobbing and I have no more tears coming out. So it's just like a, like a dry heaving sobbing. It was very interesting. But I did my third audition and came out of there feeling good about it and then the next day I got a call saying that I got the part so my story is basically that after 25 years in this industry and looking towards the goal of being in a film I have finally done that and not just done it in you know, the sense of I'm playing a background character or even, you know, just sort of a blink and you miss it character. I I get to make my film debut alongside some of the greatest actors that we have right now. And I did not mention that my son in the movie is played by the wonderful Caleb McLaughlin of Stranger Things fame. So that's my story. Wow. Uh <laughs> So, so that's not been released yet. Do you have a, a time frame of when it might be released? The only thing that they've told me is early next year. Um, I as The last thing I was told was that there were some streaming services that were entering negotiations. Um, I'm not at liberty to say who, though. Um, but then they haven't given us an actual date. They just keep saying early next year. So you got to be on film with Idris Elba. How did yes. that feel for you? I know that, you know, in, in your first film, too. Were, have you? Let me ask you first, though. Had you done any other type of film work before you did this film? There was one other thing I did. Um, before, I, before I got my manager, I thought, I better get something on there that shows her I can be in front of a camera. So here in Philadelphia, there are a few colleges that have film schools, and they're usually holding auditions for actors. So I did a student film for Temple University for a student there uh, called Faithful. And that's my only other credit. It's a 10 minute film that I don't think anyone outside of Temple University has ever seen. But um, that's the only other one. Other than that, just film. 
I mean, just, oh my goodness, just stage. <laughs> okay, well, yeah. what was it like with Idris? Everybody it wants was, to know. It was exactly as surreal and as wonderful as you are probably imagining. First of all, you know, in in most films, in this process, at somewhere along the audition stage, we would have met. We would have had a chemistry uh, read to see if we looked good together on film, to make sure he wasn't too tall and, you know, all these things. But uh, I think because of the nature of the budget of our film, we didn't have that. So I did not meet him until my first day on set. And what happened was, you know, I get there, I'm getting a microphone put on and they they go, oh, here's your son. And there's Caleb. And he just, you know, immediately just starts running at me, arms open wide, screaming, mom. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. And I, you know, I thought he was still going to be the 11 year old boy from the first season of Stranger Things. And instead, it was this 17 year old man running at me. It was very interesting. Then they put us up on a horse, which both Caleb and I are allergic to. So they put us up on a horse and then they they move the horse up to where this other horse is sitting. And I look to my right and a foot away from me, there is a smiling Idris Elba on a horse. And I look at him and I was so overwhelmed that the first things out of my mouth were, oh, hello, husband. And he looked at me and said, oh, hello, wife. And I almost fell off the horse. <laughs> I just was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, um, That smile, it's deadly. It's like, oh, it, <laughs> if you're not prepared for it, it'll make you skip a few heartbeats. But he... From my experience and from everyone that I talked to on the film was just the sweetest, most down to earth person. Um, you know, the wonderful thing about our film is that, you know, this father son story is set against a historical framework of these black cowboys. And we shot at Fletcher Street Stables in North Philadelphia, which is a real black cowboy stable here. So some of those cowboys are in our movie. And between takes and on his downtime and things like that, Idris would be sitting there. He and also Method Man is in this movie as well. So he and Method Man would be sitting around the campfire with all the cowboys, just like, you know, shooting the breeze, freestyle rapping, just like taking pictures and just hanging out for hours and he certainly didn't have to do that but he just was like that cool you know what I mean when I I had most of my filming days were with Caleb but I had one day with Idris where you know we did our big scene and between takes we were chatting he asked me well what would I know you from what have I seen you in and I said oh no this is my debut this is it and he said, um, really, I get to be in your film debut? And I just like, I fell out. I was just like, what are, are you serious? Are you serious? Like, you know, it's, oh, he's just, that is, I will never forget that. It was like the sweetest thing that anyone could have ever said. And yeah, he's, he's exactly as nice and as handsome up close <laughs> as you think he is. So this, this I'm sure will be your breakout role. Uh, which I hope will so. lead to much more. Is there a director or a producer that you can think of off the top of your head that you would just like would be the perfect fit for your next film if you can do it? 
You know, it, this is going to sound so ridiculous and probably corny, but I'm going to say Ricky Staub, the director of Concrete Cowboy. I think, you know, it was cool that he and I and Caleb, for all three of us, for different reasons, this is our breakout film. Because he's only done a short film before this. I've never done a film. And Caleb has never headlined a film. So the three of us were really, like, giddy during filming about all of this. And I just... I trusted him so implicitly in this process, even though we both were like, this is new for, for both of us, you know? Um, but I just felt that he understood every little aspect of it. And when it came to, you know, my big scene with Idris, you know, I was like shaking my boots that day. And he just was like able to calm me down and really just kind of guide us through and still also let us you know, improvise and play around and do what felt right. So, you know, I hope to have with him, and I, I've never said this to him, but I hope, you know, it's almost like a, you know, Quentin Tarantino, Uma Thurman kind of, except healthier, relationship where he just kind of casts me in all of his stuff. I would love to work with him several times over, um, and that would make me very happy because I think he's quite talented. Yeah, a lot of directors do that. They have like a pet actor or actress that they they you tend to see in a lot of their films i mean woody allen does yes. that and you know you mentioned quentin and martin scorsese and you know all, all the yes. really yeah i mean that's something that's very doable uh yeah so that may happen for you i hope it does i hope it does too and i i really hope his career takes off after this because he deserves it he's i mean oh my goodness i can't say enough nice things about him either everybody on this film was like I was looking for who was mean I was just looking I was like who's mean on here everybody that I worked with on that film was just a gem it was such a dream I'm, I'm spoiled now because I know they're not all like that but I'm like now I'm gonna expect it but <laughs> ever get that light bulb over your head at midnight that just goes ding or any ideas you probably shouldn't post on social media, but the public definitely needs to know? Unless you're a vegetable, you probably do. That's why our panel of non-experts do it for you. Our seamless flow of information to humor and perspectives will keep you engaged and wanting more. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, and more in our description. New releases and live streams delivered fresh and psyche delicious weekly, so make sure you find us on Facebook and YouTube. And always remember, don't sleep on the psyche. Well, let's talk a little bit about your past uh, yeah. with your opera singing. What was that like, and did you ever perform in any operas? I Well, so I didn't perform in an opera. I performed a bunch of, you know, arias. I did do a bunch of concerts. I got to sing overseas in an opera house in, where was I? Um, in Amsterdam, but I can't think of where the, I can't think of the name of the theater. I was like 15 at the time. So, um, but yeah, I got to do a lot when I went to Ithaca. So, <clears throat> excuse me, the, you know, Ithaca College is a very interesting school because, you know, their musical theater program is pretty legendary but their opera program is equally as legendary and <clears throat> the, at the time that I was uh, attending the music director for the musical theater 
uh, program and the opera program was the same person. And for a few years in there, he was like, you can always join the opera program. You know, just say it like, just throw that out there. If you don't like musical theater, you can do this, you know. Um, and they would do an opera every year and he would always try to get me to audition for it. And I never did. Um, so I never did any opera, but when I started training in opera, I started at 14 and uh, I won a scholarship here at Settlement Music School to to study that. And then as part of my scholarship, I had to take piano, which I had also taken as a kid. So I'm also a piano player. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, you have to take like music theory, which I'd also taken since I was a kid. So um, it was really it was a really kind of intensive experience. And the teacher that I had, Valerie Clayton, she she's an opera singer herself, but she really insisted that, you know, if you're going to sing, uh, an aria in Italian, you need to know the translation of every single word that you are going to sing. And, um, often opera students start with Italian, with arias in Italian, that's kind of the standard. And then, you know, you can branch out to French and German and, um, you know, a couple others, but we, we usually start with the Italian. So, um, and she was strict. I mean, she would, if, when I would show up for my lessons, she would open the aria book and point to a word and say, what does this mean? And if you didn't know what the word meant, she'd close the book, and give it back to you. And she'd say, go home. And you know, even if you had an hour lesson, it was five minutes in, she'd say, go home. You had to go home. So you really needed to know your stuff. So I really got into the, that mindset of really okay take this seriously so yeah we we did all the languages and um when I graduated high school I got to do um you know a concert where I got to sing my entire repertoire which is really I had never done that before a, a, like a student recital like that so yeah I mean you know it was it was intense but at the same time I was used to it um because I was also still playing violin at the time and really with the violin at that point I had been practicing just about six hours a day with the violin because I there was a time where we thought well maybe I'll do that professionally so um you know the discipline that comes with opera had already kind of been there because of violin and so for me the transition felt very natural and then when I decided you know okay I've done the singing thing um I enjoy it it's a hobby uh but it's not my passion so I when I really started to transition out of that it's it's been really funny because people at home really only know me as a singer and when this news came out that oh you know I made this film they were like what film what you're an actor. What, wait, are you still singing? Like they don't, <laughs> it hasn't really sunk in yet for people. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was always known as the singer before the actor. So, yeah. Well, your move to New York. Go ahead. What was that like? What was your first big break there in New York? Oh, I, you know, I, I was really blessed, you know, again, at Ithaca, when you, when you graduate, you put on a showcase in New York. So we got to travel, um, down to New York City um, and perform in front of casting people and you know so from that I got pulled into a bunch of different auditions 
and I, so what was the first one I did? My goodness. It would have been, so it was this small musical called Great Googly Moo, <laughs> uh, which was basically, it was about the lead singer of the Ink Spots, which was like a doo-wop group from like the 40s and 50s. Um, but it basically kind of featured his life, but with the music that those those groups all kind of sang. So that was the first thing I did in New York. I, I had a name and everything, and, you know, I had to dance, and it was quite fun. Um, and then I did kind of a steady sh stream of shows in New York. Um, nothing on Broadway, but I did get called in for a few Broadway auditions from the showcase, as I said. I mean, I... At that point, Color Purple was still on Broadway, and I got called in to audition for the Color Purple six times. I didn't get cast, but I got called repeatedly, and in fact, the last time I got called, I remember I was in the waiting room waiting to go in, and the people I was out there with, I heard them talking, and they were like, yeah, as of yesterday, the show is canceled, so I don't even know what we're doing here, and I was just like, the show is canceled and then literally when I went in the um, music guy was like yeah no the show is closing but we're casting for the national tour it's <laughs> just like oh okay um, and yeah so I mean I so altogether I was in New York for less than a year because I was in Queens for I don't know a couple months then I moved to Brooklyn for about a month and then I got cast in this national tour and then got to tour the country for six months. And then after that, I was like, all right, I need a break. I need to move home and came home to Philly. But the tour was awesome. That was a musical that it was Seussical the Musical, which is uh, a musical based on the characters of Dr. Seuss. And so we got to perform for, for kids at theaters all over the country. And it was, you know, that is that is a hardcore life where you have to drive the vans, you know, across country and, and, and be around the same, you know, 12 people for six months. I mean, that's a, that's a hard life. I don't know how people do that. Um, that kind being of, said, kind of like touring with a band. Almost. Yeah. I, it's, I, that's, I, I, I can see why bands, you know, end up breaking up after the tour. Cause it's like, you, you know, and they were all lovely people, but my goodness, after a while, you're just like, oh, okay, I need to see some new faces, you know? Um, but that being said, it's a really cool experience. I think every actor should do a tour. I really do. I think, um, especially children's theater, it's a different kind of energy and, you know, you feel it immediately. Kids do not hesitate to let you know how they feel, you know? And I was playing a character called the Sour Kangaroo. So, she, you know, she's sassy. She's not the nicest. She's, you know, and I would have kids regularly coming up to me after the show, getting ready to tell me off because they really, they were like, I do not like that you were mean to Horton the Elephant. You know what I mean? It was just like, this is hilarious. Like, they are really serious. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a cool experience, but... After six months of that, I was like, okay, I'm ready to go home for a bit. <laughs> well, you've done musical and you've done uh, movies. So what did you enjoy the most? I think I know the answer to this, but go ahead. 
<laughs> movies. I mean, and it, and it's not just because of Idris Elba. Although, I mean, come on, like it's Idris Elba on a horse. How how bad can that be? <laughs> um, it's it's definitely a movie because it's it's the it's oh how do I put this? It's definitely the culmination of of a childhood dream. So there's that aspect to it. There's also, um, like in theater, like I said, the, the, the feedback is immediate, right? You're, you're there for two hours. You're just barreling through and the audience is, you know, you can feed off their energy in the moment. And then after two hours, you're done or whatever with a movie that gets stretched out all day for like 12 hours. And I, I really liked the challenge of keeping my energy up all day long and sitting around for like, you know, if you show up at noon, you're not getting in front of a camera until five. So you got to find a way to keep your energy up for that five hours while you're sitting in your trailer or whatever. I actually really enjoyed that. I know a lot of actors complain about that, about the sort of hurry up and wait aspect of filming. But I, I actually really liked it. And also not just because I had a trailer, <laughs> which was cool. It was, you know, it, it was like, it was like extended time for me to stay in that character. I had music going, I, you know, I was reading, but you know, I, I just felt like almost, it was like a, like almost like a personal rehearsal, but it was like a luxury to be in that for that amount of time. Because then by the time I was, in front of the camera, I felt like I was good to go. You know what I mean? So I liked it. I, I've always enjoyed being in front of a camera. So for me, yeah, it's definitely movie. <laughs> well, uh, theater is linear. Uh, so mm-hmm. you, you, know, you do the, th- you do the show all in one night, two hours, you know, first from the beginning to the end, but filming is out of sync. Uh, yeah. So how did that affect you when you, you know, as far as learning lines and, I mean, would you learn the lines the day that you go in, or did you go ahead and study the script? Well, um, well, they sent me the script about a month in advance, the full script. So I, I mean, I read that thing backwards and forwards for a month. I mean, even the stuff I wasn't in, I was just like, I just want to know, you know, because it's funny, my character kind of appears in the beginning and at the end, but I'm talked about a lot. So I was like, ooh, let me see who says what about me. Um... And that all kind of just goes into my preparation because I like to know like what is said about my character, not just the scenes that my character is in. So there was that. And then, yeah, like, it's funny. Shooting on this film, all my scenes were in order. And I think I was the only person where that actually happened. so I got I got lucky there in the sense that it wasn't out of order for me. Um, and also it was really helpful because the first scene that I shot, oh no, actually that's that's wrong because the first scene that I shot was my last scene in the movie and I had no lines. And that's what it was. That was the only scene that was out of order. And I, I actually, I was so happy about it because um, it was my first day and I was super overwhelmed because, you know, Idris Elba and Caleb McLaughlin. And so they were very nice to me in that they gave me a scene where I just had to sit there and react, which, you know, not hard. Um, so 
but then the rest of my scenes were in order and I I was glad for that because I did memorize it that way I think it would have been interesting to kind of if we had to you know move it around or switch up the order but I I knew that script inside and out so if we had to have done it that way I would have been fine um I tend to memorize quickly also so on this film I didn't have any rewrites for anything that I said but I was expecting it I was prepared for it and I think I would have been fine because you know sometimes you do only have a couple hours to memorize but that's okay I've memorized like whole pages of stuff in like two hours and that's fine I do that as a drill I just sort of like practice at home so in case that kind of does happen so yeah but no they were very nice to me they were they were like let's kind of make it easy on her and you know so yeah they took good care of me on this film (laughs) so do you have anything coming up at the moment I don't I'm working I'm also a writer so I've been working on a web series and a screenplay that I'm hoping to um get up online uh, before the end of the year. So hopefully that will be next. But um, I there's some difficulty, of course, with filming, you know, COVID and all that stuff. So yeah, I, you know, I'm still auditioning and, you know, we'll see how things go. I know certain productions, it's like they're open for a week or two and then they got to shut down again. So we'll see how things go. But I'm still auditioning and, you know, we'll see what, what happens next. Okay, why don't you give us your social media and anything that you have, that website or whatever, so that my, my listeners could, could find out more about you. Sure. Well, I the, the only social media I have, because I'm, I'm so boring, I'm sure it'll change, but for now it's just Facebook, so you can find me under Liz Priestley. And then um, you can also check me out on imdb.com under Liz Priestley. Um, those will be the two places that, if anything happens next, they will be updated immediately. So that's where to find me. 